Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The Zags are taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks in the SEC on Thursday afternoon. Two teams hoping to get back to the Elite Eight after making it last year. To hear more on this team and what the Zags need to do to avoid an early loss, stick around. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through what has been an exciting season of Gonzaga basketball. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen every day. I know some of you have been listening to me for a very, very long time. I appreciate all of you, and I appreciate all of you who are brand new to the show and those of you who are checking out the show on YouTube. We are over 400 subscribers, trying to get to 500 subscribers before the end of the college basketball season. So if you're listening to this, you have not hit that subscribe button on YouTube, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags, find that subscribe button, smash it for me. I would really, really appreciate it. We're talking all things Arkansas Razorbacks today, the Hogs of the SEC. That is the team Gonzaga takes on next, the number four seed in the West region. Winner of that game will take on number three, Texas Tech, or number two, Duke, depending on who wins that game. We're going to talk about that game in the third segment of this show. But before we get there, let's talk about the Razorbacks. Arkansas finished fourth in the SEC this season. The SEC has not had a very good run in the NCAA tournament up to this point. It was a conference that looked very strong throughout large chunks of the season, thanks in large part to Auburn and the success they had as briefly the number one team in the country. They ended up securing a two-seed fell to Miami in the second round. Tennessee did not have a good run through the tournament, falling to Michigan. And, of course, Kentucky lost to St. Peter. So not a good year for the SEC in the NCAA tournament. We kind of see some of these conferences seem to fall apart periodically throughout the tournament. All of it rests now on the Razorbacks, who have a very tough draw against the Zags, of course. Arkansas didn't do a lot to even make it here, to be honest. they, They escaped by Vermont in the first round. 75-71. Vermont was kind of a popular, trendy upset pick team until they got this draw. Most people thought Arkansas would handle it, and they won, and they survived and advanced, which is the key to having success in the NCAA tournament, but it was not a particular pretty game. And it got even uglier against New Mexico State. Anybody who tuned into this game, I apologize that you watched full 40 minutes of basketball here because it was an ugly ugly game. Ultimately, Arkansas won 53-48 in the round of 32. Arkansas is a good defensive team and a not great offensive team, but still this result was pretty hideous. 53-48. Arkansas shot 27.5% from the field. New Mexico State, even though they lost, only shot 34% from the field. A pretty horrendous shooting night from both teams in that game. But again, the tournament is about surviving and advancing. Arkansas under coach Eric Musselman, former coach in Reno at the University of Nevada, he and this squad are moving on to the Sweet 16, looking to potentially get back into the Elite Eight. They finished 27-8 and on the year, 13-5 and in conference play. This team 
they're not they're better than Alabama, but they remind me of them a little bit in the sense that they have some pretty great wins, some some wins that kind of make you raise your eyes a little bit and think, man, this team is really good. And they have some losses that are pretty ugly, or even some wins that are pretty ugly, as we already touched on in the tournament so far. Uh, they defeated Auburn, they defeated LSU, they defeated Tennessee, they defeated Kentucky, they defeated Texas A and M. They have wins over all of those teams. That's a good group of basketball teams right there. They also suffered losses to Vanderbilt. One of, if not the worst team in the SEC, they lost in the non-conference to Hofstra, a very small school in upstate New York. They lost to Mississippi State. They lost to Alabama, which is harder to pin down because there are multiple versions of this Alabama team. But at the end of the day, this is a team that has been shown that they are capable of losing to some pretty bad teams, but has also turned around and beat a couple of the best teams in the country. Get a chance again to do that on Thursday. Again, we talked about them being a good defensive team and not great offensive team. Ken Palm still has them as the 54th best adjusted offense in the country, so they're far from bad offensively. They just don't have as much firepower on that end of the floor defensively. Ken Palm likes them at 14th in the country, which is pretty darn good. They're a top 15 defense in the country. Uh, the thing that I found very fascinating, I talked about this on Tuesday's episode in the third segment for those who may have missed it, uh, they play at a fast tempo. 28th in the country for reference, Memphis was 34th, so right in that same range in terms of getting out in transition, but they have not been as successful in high-tempo games. So Gonzaga is going to push the pace more than any team they have faced this entire year, and if this trend of them not being as good when the pace is pushed continues, that's not going to be good news for them. Looking a little bit deeper into some of the numbers, uh, they held opposing offenses to a 41% field goal percentage this season. That's pretty darn good. 50th best field goal percentage for opposing offenses in the entire country. They held opposing teams to a 46.5% field goal percentage on two-pointers and 32.6% on three. So they're pretty good at limiting uh, opportunities to score on both around the rim and from the perimeter as well. We've seen some teams that are a little bit less balanced in that regard, which is not good against Gonzaga because they've proven they could beat you multiple different ways. But this team is fairly good on both ends of the floor. They're not a great shot-blocking team. They don't have a big rim protector. Jalen Williams is their big man. He's a decent defensive player. He's a good rebounder. He's only averaging about a block per game. They also don't force a lot of turnovers. So they're probably not going to be the kind of team that gets out on Gonzaga early and, you know, puts pressure on Andrew Nempar right when he crosses half court and tries to force turnovers that way. Or at least if they attempt to do that, they don't have a history of success in that area. Uh, it's possible they will attempt to do that because that has been one of the most tried and true methods to defeat Gonzaga in the last two seasons. So we might see some more of that kind of pressure, but it's not really their normal game plan, which makes should be a little bit of a sigh of relief for Gonzaga fans that they're not already kind of equipped to do some of the stuff that we have seen uh, defeat Gonzaga this season. And offensively, this team is just not, they don't shoot at a very high percentage. They're 43.5% field goal percentage on the season. That's 215th in the country. So we're talking about a sweet 16 team, number four seed, that is one of the not top 200 offenses, at least in terms of field goal percentage, which is only one stat. Obviously, there's a lot more to look at in that regard. Uh, they are shooting about 50% on two-pointers. Uh, this is this is the key to the game, primarily for me. Their guards, very, very good at getting downhill, attacking the basket, getting to the free throw line. They're not a great outside shooting team. 
they don't have a lot of low post scores. They're not, you know, built like Memphis with DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duran. Uh, they're not built like Duke where they have multiple offensive weapons at, at different positions. They have good scoring guards who are not great outside shooters. So they're going to attempt to get to the rim. They're a 30.5% three-point shooting team. That's 324th in the country. Not a good outside shooting team. Their offensive game plan is get to the rim, draw contact, get to the free throw line. The key for them is J.D. Note. He's their their guard. He's their leader. He's having an extraordinary season, 18.5 points per game, 4.5 boards, 3.5 assists, and 2.3 steals. Again, his game plan, get to the rim. He's going to get right into the body of Chet Holmgren and try to get him to commit fouls. Fortunately for Gonzaga fans, Chet Holmgren very, very good at avoiding getting those fouls called. We saw it more against Memphis. He was going up against big guys that he rarely has to go up against. Jalen Duran is one of the most physically skilled, gifted big men in the country. Not only did Chet hold him to 3 of 11 shooting, but he did block a bunch of his shots. However, Duran was also crafty enough to draw some contact, get him in foul trouble. With no disrespect to Arkansas's guards, who are very good, Chet is very, very good at avoiding fouling guards driving to the rim. This is a tremendous skill of his. If he can do that and avoid those things, he's going to have a lot of success this game because Arkansas is going to have a really hard time finding other ways to score the basketball. Stanley Amude is their other guard. 12 points, 5 boards, 1 assist. He is a 38% three-point shooter, so he's a big hinge for them in this game. He's a six foot six combo guard, tough to match up against. I don't know if the Zags throw Bolton at him or if they throw Strother at him or if we see some more minutes from Hunter Salas, who's got the physicality to handle him. Uh, he's a tough matchup for Gonzaga and, again, a very good outside shooter. He, if he has a good game from beyond the arc, that puts a lot more pressure on the Zags on both offense and defense in order to match up with what this team is doing. And finally, as if Gonzaga hasn't faced enough talented players named Jalen Williams, the guy they saw at Santa Clara multiple times. Jalen Williams is also the name of a big man at Arkansas. Ten and a half points, about ten rebounds per game, two and a half assists, and a block. Uh, he's a big dude. He's the best big man that they have. They don't have a ton of depth down low, uh, but he is a crafty, talented big man who's going to grab a lot of rebounds, and that's a big key for this game. Speaking of keys, that's what we're going to talk about in the second segment. My five keys to victory for Gonzaga, what I think they need to do in order to move on to the Elite Eight. We're going to talk all about that in the second segment. Before we get there, let's talk about Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pickums pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. The simple sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. 
This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two. Still, Andy Patton's still locked on Zags. Still talking Arkansas Razorbacks and Gonzaga's matchup with them in San Francisco on Thursday afternoon, 4 p.m. to advance to the Elite Eight. Uh, five key things for me to be watching for in this game. If Gonzaga is able to accomplish these things, a victory is nearly guaranteed for this team. I think these are some of the biggest important factors in how this game is going to play out. Number one... We touched on it already earlier in the show and on Tuesday's show as well. The Zags need to set the pace. This is something they have been extraordinarily good at all year. The only teams that have slowed them down have been in the games that Gonzaga has lost. St. Mary's successfully slowed them down. Duke slowed them down successfully. Alabama, it was partly that. It was partly their incredibly hot shooting offensively. Uh, And then we had games like Tarleton State and Merrimack where Gonzaga's guards were very, very out of sorts at that point in the season. And they seemed to be struggling to get out in transition and handle those kinds of pressures. What we saw from Gonzaga against Memphis is potentially what we could see in this game as well. Again, Arkansas and Memphis, very similarly paced teams. Arkansas may attempt to run with Gonzaga. They probably cannot hang with Gonzaga for a full 40 minutes out in transition. I already mentioned the stat, but I'll toss it out there again. 12-7 and seven in fast-paced games for the Razorbacks. 13-1 and one in slow games. The way that Hofstra and Vanderbilt managed to beat this team, getting them out in transition, causing them to turn the ball over a lot more, Those two teams took care of the basketball, got more possessions, got more points per possession. Boom. That's a victory, even though those teams are not as good as Arkansas. So that'll be the biggest thing for me. If if the Zags can get Arkansas in transition, can force them to also try to run with the Zags or can just wear them out the way that Andrew Nempard did against Memphis, where he was constantly going every made basket, getting out in transition, pushing the pace, throwing the ball up the court. It's going to work against Arkansas in a similar fashion to the way that it worked against Memphis. Next up, number two, protect the rim and avoid foul trouble. Again, touched on this already with J.D. Note and what Arkansas likes to do. This is a great free throw shooting team. Both Note and Amude are over 77% from the free throw line. They both take about five attempts per game. I expect them to push that even more in this contest. For Chet Holmgren, it's the, the Zags certainly need him offensively, especially in a game where he's going to have a size advantage. But the biggest thing for him to do in this game is protect the rim. Do not let these guards get free lands. Challenge every single shot. 
block plenty of them, <laughs> grab defensive rebounds, do all of that, and avoid fouling them. They're going to attempt to do this. Now, Chet, again, he has tremendous body control. He has the ability to use his long arms to his advantage without committing fouls. We've seen him do it really well throughout the season, but it is imperative that he does that well on Thursday. If he does not, if he picks up a couple quick fouls, that could be really bad for Gonzaga because Drew Timmy's not a rim protector. Anton Watson, not a rim protector. Note Amude, the rest of Arkansas's guards are going to get to the rim. They're going to draw contact. They're going to get free throws. And if Chet Holmgren is not there to prevent that, that could make things get a little out of hand early. So this is a huge game for Chet Holmgren defensively. I know it doesn't look as exciting as like a matchup with Jalen Duran or a potential impending matchup with Bancaro or Mark Williams, but it is an, an critical game for Chet Holmgren to prove that he can handle guards who are trying to challenge him at the rim. Next up, on a similar note, win the rebounding battle. Arkansas is not a big team, but they are a tenacious rebounding team. They average about 36 boards per game. This is a good rebounding team. They're going to try to get offensive rebounds. They're going to challenge they're going to challenge to not let Gonzaga get second chance opportunities. The Zags need to win the rebounding battle. It's always important to win the rebounding battle. It's usually a very good barometer for success. But in a game where they're not playing as big of a team, it is important that Gonzaga cleans house on the glass because if they let Arkansas get second chance opportunities, if they let, if they don't give themselves opportunities to get second chances, then they're going to have some problems in this game. Number four, the one you all have been waiting for, make your dang free throws. It's been such a problem for Gonzaga in the first two rounds in Portland. Just hideous free throw shooting numbers. Andrew Nempard has been good. Rasir Bolton has not missed a free throw. Everybody else on the team has been piss poor from the free throw line. It needs to change. It needs to change. Regardless of the opponent, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter who the opponent is at this point. They need to be better at free throw shooting. Arkansas is a good free throw shooting team, so if it comes down to that, that is going to be a problem because they're more likely to convert at the charity stripe than the Zags. They also foul a quite a bit. This is a part, like, this is something that they do a fair amount. Gonzaga has been very good at drawing contact. Drew Timmy has been incredible at drawing contact and getting opposing teams' big men in foul trouble. That's a big part of this game. There's not a lot of depth in Arkansas's front court. If they can get into that depth and they play most of the second half against Arkansas's backup bigs, that's a very big recipe for success. But it's it's going to be mitigated a bit if they're shooting 35% from the free throw line in that game. So... Make the free throws, draw the contact, get into Arkansas's depth. That's a huge part of this game as well. And then the last thing, get going from the outside. Arkansas is a pretty good defensive perimeter team, so this is maybe not the easiest game for them to do so. We've seen Bolton and Nemhard both be solid from beyond the arc. We have seen virtually nothing out of Julian Strother. He has had a notably bad NCAA tournament performance. He was not particularly good in the WCC tournament as well outside of his first half against St. Mary's where he was very, very, very good. So we know it's still there. It hasn't completely vanished. It would be really nice to have him back in this game. He's going to be a big piece defensively because of his size, uh, but he's going to need to be a contributor offensively as well. We've talked on why it's important for Strother and potentially Chet Holmgren to be shooting well from beyond the arc. It pulls bigger defensive players away from the rim, gives Drew Timmy more room to operate, makes it harder for the opposing team to double-team him, and gives him more room to pass out of said double-team if those guys are hitting those outside shots. Huge part of the game. Obviously, Nemhard and Bolton have been doing their part. We need one of Chet or Strother to step up. Ideally, both 
of them can step up and knock down a couple threes. Wouldn't kill us to see Nolan Hickman contribute from beyond the arc as well. Or Hunter Salas, who hasn't been a particularly great three-point shooter, but still has the ability to knock down that shot if he's given an open look. All right, we're going to head into the third segment. We're going to preview Thursday's other West region battle between the number two seeded Duke Blue Devils and number three Red Raiders of Texas. Texas against potential elite eight opponents. But before we get there, let's talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while a person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag. We're still talking about the 2022 NCAA Tournament West Region. Now, of course, we're focusing on the next game, the West Region, the only region that went chalk. One, two, three, and four were the teams that advanced to the Sweet 16. Every other region, complete chaos. We got a 15 seed. We got an 11 seed. We got a five. We got a couple five seeds. We got an eight seed. It is complete madness as it usually is in March, but of course, the West region where the Gonzaga Bulldogs reside. One, two, three, and four. People do not have the ability to call this an easy path for the Zags this year if they do in fact advance to the final four yet again. They got Arkansas first. We covered plenty about that game, but if they do secure a victory there, they will be playing either Mike Krzyzewski's Duke Blue Devils, a team that is on a Historic run, the final year of Coach K's legendary basketball career. Duke is 30-6 and six on the season. They won the ACC in what was, at the time, very much considered a down year for the ACC. The ACC has actually performed quite well in the NCAA tournament up to this point, which is sort of a surprise for those of us who watched some ACC basketball this year. Did not look particularly good, but Duke still managed to run through it. They defeated Cal State Fullerton. Quite handily in the first round, not a huge surprise there. Fullerton wasn't expected to put up a big fight in that game. Second round game, they had Michigan State, the seven seed in the West region. Uh, they defeated them. Great matchup. Coach K versus Tom Izzo, two titans of the industry, two titans of, of success in March Madness in the past, of course. Michigan State was up in this game, had a, had a fairly decent lead in the second half. Uh, Duke managed to storm back, came back. A.J. Griffin was on the bench. So for them to come back and secure a victory in that game, basically on the hands of Paulo Bancaro, he had a great, great second half in that game. Jeremy Roach came off the bench to score a lot of points as well. Uh, this is a really, really good team. Duke is very good. 
there's there's I, there's more to say about that, but talent-wise on the roster, they're just ridiculous. I mean, we talked about Paolo Bancaro, 6'10", 250-pound power forward who's got incredible ball handling skills, who's a straight-line driver, who's a pull-up jump shooter, who's a good passer, a developing defensive player. He's an absolute star. And I know he's kind of been pushed aside by Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith and even at times Jaden Ivey in the draft conversation. But whoever gets Paolo is going to be real happy with what he brings to the team. He is an absolute load and really, really bad matchup for Gonzaga. Really bad. Either Chet Holmgren guards him, in which case Chet Holmgren is effectively neutralized as a rim protector, which is bad news, or Drew Timmy guards him, in which case Paolo Bancaro scores a lot of points because Drew Timmy is not a great defensive player, particularly away from the rim. Then, of course, you have Mark Williams, who is a a great rim protector, who's a good low post scorer. Do you put Drew Timmy on him if Chet's away from the rim? Then Mark Williams has a free reign to score. It's just a, a tough matchup. We saw this already. Of course, Gonzaga lost to Duke by three points back in November. Gonzaga has improved considerably since then. Duke also did not have A.J. Griffin back then, a potential top five or top ten pick in the NBA draft. So they are an improved team as well. This would be a tremendous, tremendous matchup between these two teams. Uh, Again, Duke's got to get by Texas Tech. Not an easy path for them as well. The Red Raiders, 27-9 on the season, finished third in an extremely competitive Big 12 this year. Ken Palm currently has them sixth in the entire country, so a very, very good, well-respected team under Coach Mark Adams, a Coach of the Year candidate, taking over that team from Chris Beard, who, of course, headed over to Texas to coach this year. Uh, Ken Palm has their defense one. Number one, the best defensive team in the country. According to Ken Palm, they are 46th offensively, so considerably worse, worse in quotes, uh, but obviously a top 50 team offensively. And the best defensive team is not a fun matchup for anybody. When they shoot it well, when they have good offensive days, they are extremely difficult to defeat. They play at a slow pace. Their tempo is 217th in the country. Another advantage they'll have against the Zags. Of course... While it's easy to talk about the ways that they are a poor matchup for Gonzaga, it is also important to note that Gonzaga beat this team. They didn't beat Texas Tech a few years ago. They beat this year's Texas Tech team in December in Phoenix. They shot it extremely well. You could tell Coach Adams and the Red Raiders had the plan to really bottle up the bigs, clog the paint, force Gonzaga to beat them from the outside. At the time, that was a phenomenal strategy. Gonzaga was not shooting well from beyond the arc. They came out and lit it up in that game and scored a bunch of points from beyond the arc. It's kind of one of those things where I think if you're a coach, you're like, what what can we do? We forced them to do what they are the worst at, and they just proved that they can still do it. So that was kind of the, the strategy there. It'll be interesting to see if they adjust their defensive strategy, if they end up defeating Duke and Gonzaga, of course, advances on. It would be a rematch of the 2019 Elite Eight, which I know is going to make some Gonzaga fans hyperventilate a little bit, as that was a really, really tough game for the Zags, unfortunately. Not that a rematch against Duke is not going to get some of the blood boiling as well. Either way, Gonzaga is going to have a really fun game on their hands in the Elite Eight with the opportunity to move to the Final Four, of course. Of course, you never want to overlook any opponent, as Mark Few would tell you. You certainly do not want to overlook Arkansas, a very, very good, analytically savvy team that is going to give Gonzaga every single thing that they got. We're going to talk more about that game on Thursday's show, hoping to have a guest on to be able to talk a little bit more about Arkansas and what they have done this season. So look out for that show on Thursday 
And of course, of course, a recap game on Friday after Gonzaga's game on Thursday. I'm looking forward to chatting with you all during the game. I'm not going to be there like I was for the Portland game, so I'll have a little bit more free time and perhaps a little bit less anxiety while watching the games. Uh, Again, all of this right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. Check it out there if you have not already. Finally, thank you again to those of you who make Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now's a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!